This episode is brought to you in part by Wholehearted Love, a new book by Caleb and Stephanie Rouse. Overcome the barriers that hold you back in your relationships with God and with others and delight in feeling safe, seen, and loved with Wholehearted Love. For more information, go to Tyndale.com. Welcome to Day 6 of the 21-Day Gratitude Series here on Grace Enough Podcast. You can go back and listen to the first five episodes at your convenience. These do not have to be listened to in chronological order. However, some of them do build on each other. Also, if you have not downloaded the free gratitude practice, you can do that at graceenoughpodcast.com slash free gratitude practice. I am sharing some of those practices at the end of every episode, and you can participate in those without the download, but it may be something that you want to have to work through on your own over the next 21 days. Robert Emmons and his book, Thanks, How Practicing Gratitude Can Make You Happier, says, one of the risks in writing a book on gratitude is that it might fall prey to the dual biases of sentimentality and sermonization. The sentimentalizing bias emphasizes the emotional aspect and personal benefit of gratitude. It feels good, so personal happiness becomes the ultimate motivation for gratitude. Gomes notes that once we have been liberated from the count your many blessings name them one by one routine, we will have made a significant step. The sermonizing bias stresses, on the other hand, the moral imperative nature of gratitude. We ought to be grateful. And wouldn't the world be a better place if everyone were more grateful? Although there is certainly a positive valence and moral imperative to gratitude. An exclusive focus on these two elements would be faith to address the growing body of scientific scholarship on the topic. Besides, these assumptions are just flatly wrong. Far from being a warm, fuzzy sentiment, gratitude is morally and intellectually demanding. Similarly, feeling as if we should feel gratitude after being sermonized might produce resentment, not gratitude. If you didn't catch all of that, just skip back 30 seconds and listen again. Because in the first five episodes, I have shared the biblical roots of gratitude and the benefits of gratitude on the brain both of which fall into these categories of sentimentality and sermonization, if we're not careful. Practicing gratitude is not a cure-all, nor a vehicle to bypass healthy grief, anger, or fear. It is, however, a step toward noticing the goodness of God amid life's best and hardest circumstances. As Christians, our journey with Jesus is not a one-time destination, but a continuous process of growth and transformation. The enemy wants you to believe that when you endure hardship, when you make a mistake, or quote, go backward, you'll never get there. But the truth is, 
that our journey with Jesus is ongoing and not defined by our momentary setbacks or the ruts we find ourselves stuck in again and again. In the words of the Apostle Paul from 2 Corinthians 12, 9, But he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses, so the power of Christ may rest upon me. In the Christian faith, gratitude to God plays a vital role in our journey. Gratitude is more than just a polite expression of thanks. It is a profound recognition of God's goodness and grace in our lives. When we cultivate gratitude, we train ourselves to see the hand of God at work in both the blessings and the trials we encounter. And this perspective helps us navigate life's challenges with hope and resilience, knowing that God is always with us, guiding us and sustaining us. Today's gratitude practice is going to be focused on 1 Thessalonians 5.18. If you are someone who likes to journal or who likes to have something to hold in their hands while they're working through various practices or um, scriptural studies, you can download my free gratitude practice at graceenoughpodcast.com slash free gratitude practice. Our focus today can be found in week one, day four. 1 Thessalonians 5.18 Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. I love what Ruth Bell Graham says, We can't always give thanks for everything, but we can always give thanks in everything. This verse is not telling us that we have to be thankful for everything that comes our way or that we have to ignore what's going on in our lives. It does say that God's will for us in Christ Jesus is to have thankful hearts at all times, honestly, because there always is something we can look at God and say, thank you for. Giving thanks in all circumstances is one of the greatest struggles of my life. When I face a trial or a challenge, I quickly spiral into constant grumbling and murmuring. And so today, I want you to think about a previous circumstance that was hard, even painful. Maybe it's a circumstance that you're facing right now. I want you to reflect back and journal or speak out loud to God three things you were thankful for from that time. I want to give you an example from my own life. My husband and I were married in May of 2008. In November of 2008, he lost his job. In February of 2009, we moved to Florida. Now, some of you may hear that and think that it is not a big deal, but I had spent the first 28 years of my life in Kentucky. I had always lived near family. I loved Kentucky. And honestly, there was nothing in me that wanted to move. 
And so I spent a lot of time feeling sad, feeling angry, wondering why we had to move, why I had to change everything in my life. It was an extremely hard transition. So when I think about 1 Thessalonians 5.18, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. It's easy for me now to see a million different things I'm thankful for because we lived in Florida for eight years. And while some of it was hard, it was one of the best seasons of my life. So what I'm asking you to do in this practice is not to look back on something and necessarily give thanks to God for all that came out of it, but to specifically think about what was taking place during the circumstance that you can thank him for. I wrote the way my husband stuck with me and supported me. I wrote the support of my in-laws. They helped us move. They let us live in their home. They fed us. They did a lot of things as they continue to do. But again, remember, when you participate in this practice, you're trying to go back to the moments, to the circumstance, and think about what during that time can you thank God for. And thirdly, connecting frequently with dear friends in Kentucky and eating at our favorite places. I will always look back with fondness on those last few months in Kentucky, although many of the moments were spent crying and begging God not to make me move. There were also beautiful moments of meeting with friends and going all around our city and eating at some of our favorite places that now when we visit Kentucky, which is very rare, we go to those same places. And I'm not riddled with sadness, but instead I am reminded of the joyous memories that I have from that place. And so I ask you, are you in a difficult season circumstance now? If so, write or verbally speak to God out loud three things in the midst of what you are facing that you are thankful for. Typically, we can be experiencing a very difficult circumstance. At the same time, we are experiencing life-giving circumstances. Give thanks to God for those life-giving circumstances. And if you can't think of a single thing, I challenge you today to take a walk outside. No music, no headphones, no smartphone, and look around. Pay attention to where God is at work in creation around you. I'll meet you back here tomorrow.